again, everybody. Welcome to the Mainland Podcast. I am Michael Citro, the founder and managing editor of TheMainland.com. Welcome to episode number 113. It is February of 2018. That means it's the last monthly installment of the off-season podcast, and uh, I'm pretty excited about that because that means we'll be back to weekly soon, and we'll be back in the regular season with Orlando City's 2018 season. Joining me as always, David Rowe up in Tallahassee. Dave, how you doing? Uh, despite technical difficulties, I'm doing okay. And like you, looking forward to, uh, well, speaking every week rather than this uh, once a month stuff and uh, being able to talk about our beloved Orlando City. Well, next year we may have to go to a uh, bi-weekly format in the off season because, man, we had a lot <laughs> happen again since the last time we talked. And uh, we have a whole new team since the last podcast, essentially. Um, the Kyle Laren thing uh, went finally went to uh, was put to bed, put to rest forever. Um, we are going to let's just start off by talking about that since uh, Laren's new team, Besiktas, uh, did not uh, bother dressing him today for Champions League play in a 5-0 defeat uh, on the road at Bayern Munich. Uh, but Kyle went over there, decided to just force his way uh, to a team that had not made a bona fide offer uh, to Orlando City. There was a lot of um, uh, animosity uh, between the two sides, and they finally got it done. I'm sure um, we'll never know the true um, you know, value of what uh, was gotten and uh, how it was paid and all of that. We do know that Orlando City uh, got the entire transfer fee. There was nothing going to the league, nothing going to the player, and um, it's it's done. Kyle Aaron no longer a lion. In fact, uh, we always say forever a lion, but with Kyle's exit, the way he did it, Dave, not sure that's true of Kyle Aaron. Yeah, I'm not so sure how the, uh, the supporters are going to feel about uh, if we tried to put that tag on him. Um, he, uh, you know, we, we addressed this before of, of how it was a uh, poorly done and and you know it's funny we're, we're talking about it today and and you know i know you and i other than having to talk about it during the podcast have kind of put this in the rearview mirror for a while um it's been so long since i've actually thought about kyle other than oh you know um his supposed current team uh you know was was playing today in champions but of course you know he was nowhere to be seen yeah, Kyle not getting a lot of run uh, out for uh, Besiktas, and ah. they are supposedly shopping him uh, to loan him out somewhere. Uh, we've heard that it could be China or the Ukraine or Russia. Not exactly what Kyle had in mind when he went to a Champions League team in Europe, and um, you know, you just ha- you just have to say, well, you know, the. <laughs> <laughs> karma is kind of a bitch sometimes and uh i don't really wish him ill or anything but i mean um the club was trying to honor his wishes and was trying to find a buyer for him uh, at a price that the club deemed uh, acceptable and you know whether that might have taken another half season to the to the uh, summer window or whatever um you know the the player and his agent probably the player talked into it by his agent um I'm guessing he got some some advice uh, from his representation that said uh, this is the way we're going to go about this, and uh, I don't think it was a good way to go about it. Um, 
definitely think that in the end he will probably um, regret it at some point. But, I mean, he's a young kid, and he got advice from adults that are supposed to know what they're doing. And, um, you know, certainly they're, they're, uh, they have other clients, um, not only in MLS, but, uh, you know, in other leagues around the world. So, you know, they're, they're not newbies to, to, you know, to being soccer, uh, you know, agents. So whatever happens, uh, with, with Kyle, I mean, it's, it's going to be a learning experience for him, hopefully. And, um, you know, we already in Orlando have turned the page and moved on. So, uh, Kyle is not with the club anymore in any way, shape or form. He's not, his rights are not owned by the club and all of that happened, uh, a couple of weeks ago. So as you mentioned, we, we've kind of uh, put this in the rear view in terms of writing stories and talking about it, but we haven't, uh, discussed it since the uh you know the last podcast so obviously now that it's official we we have discussed it and we could say that uh you know we've covered the subject ad nauseum <laughs> and uh we really probably don't need to say a whole lot more about it uh it'll be interesting to see how his uh, career unfolds um you know and and again i don't wish him any ill and and um you know i, I certainly will look back fondly as uh, you know at his time uh, in purple, although, you know, now it is tinged with this, this, uh, sort of the specter of how he left, but, um, you know, he certainly gave uh, fans a lot of thrills. Uh, his name will, will forever be in the history books as part of Orlando city soccer club. And, uh, you know, we move on, turn the page. It's a whole brand new year. And, and we have quite a few new players to talk about. Kyle. So let's um, start out. Where I'm, I'm just going to kind of go through some of the things that have happened since we last talked, and we'll, you know, we'll maybe uh, we'll maybe just chew the fat a little bit about them. But I don't want to go too in depth on each individual move because there have been so many, and um, each one seems, you know, I guess more surprising than the last. There's been uh, quite a few surprises, and uh, it, it just a real. Um, I mean, we knew when we saw what players were, were let go at the end of the season, there were going to be a lot of changes, but uh, it's been unbelievable, the turnover on this team. Now, uh, we can go back to um, Cam Lindley coming in. He's a player that played for North Carolina, and, um, you know, Rafael Ramos, uh, an old USL Lion, going to the Chicago Fire for his rights. Uh, so uh, Cam Lindley, very highly... Uh, touted midfielder coming in. Uh, the Lions have added um, an outstanding defensive midfielder, uh, Yuri Rossell, from uh, he used to be with Sporting Kansas City. We got him from Sporting CP in Portugal, although he was on loan. Uh, never quite caught on, uh, you know, successfully over in uh, in Europe, but uh, just a phenomenal uh, player at the MLS level when he was here before. Uh, the Lions also drafted Chris Mueller out of Wisconsin. He's been having just an amazing preseason, uh, just scoring goals left and right. As a rookie, you just uh, you're not used to seeing that, uh, but he's he's done phenomenally. You got Lions, the Lions trading for uh, this one was big for me and a big surprise. Uh, Justin Miram coming over from yeah. Columbus, uh, amazing uh, signing and, and just a great. Uh, move by the front office to bring in a, a fantastic wing player can play as a second striker can play underneath Dom Dwyer just a lot of uh, places he can play and he's uh, a good locker room guy from all accounts very uh, uh, very good guy and um, a leader and he's the kind of guy who's going to give you goals he's going to give you some spectacular goals from distance 
and can set up other people. So uh, very big uh, signing there. Uh, you know, they went out and got some defenders as well. Got uh, Amro Tarek on loan. And also uh, just uh, today became official as we record this on the 20th. Uh, Sané, they got uh, they got Sané, and uh, he came comes over from uh, Werder Bremen. Uh, he's got Bundesliga and League One experience, so uh, just uh, almost an embarrassment of riches coming into Orlando since the last time we talked. I think I think we were we were just like giddy talking about Sasha Kleschen. <laughs> now we've got all these other guys. So Lamine Sané comes in uh, today. And um, uh, Rosell is now in Orlando, so we've got uh, uh, a lot of guys who have come in. And just want to get your overall thoughts. Which of the guy, which of these guys, um, you know, was the biggest uh, surprise for you? Who who are you most happy about, and, and who do you think might be sort of a sleeper that uh, is gonna is gonna do big things, even though we may not expect a whole lot. Um, you, uh, you know, the biggest surprise, uh, I think it's probably the same as it was for you would be, um, uh, Justin Merrim, uh, you know, talk about, um, you know, a guy, an MLS veteran, um, he's been with Columbus his you know, entire career. Uh, I think the whole, um, potential move to Austin stuff kind of either shook him out of, you know, put him in a different mindset and, um, he was wanting something a little bit more stable, and fortunately, we were there to to be that uh, that thing for him. Um, Seven hundred and fifty thousand in TAM, three hundred thousand in GAM, uh, and an international slot for the guy. But uh, I think it was a I think it was a really good good move, and he's going to provide um, he's going to provide some you know veteran leadership um, in the midfield. So my person i think that it's going to be a surprise or what who i would have said was going to be a surprise but like you said he's he's kind of been on fire so far it was chris mueller um you know 21 year old six uh overall pick for us out of wisconsin um you know he had all kinds of uh accolades when he was there for the badgers but uh you know most importantly like you said he's been he's been scoring goals since he's he's been here during the preseason um, there were a lot of people saying that he was probably of those, you know, top 10 guys. He was the most MLS ready. Uh, and I think he's showing that in the preseason. Hopefully that, that transfers into the regular season. And, you know, even if he's just coming off the bench, if he's providing that spark in the, in the second half and, and getting in there with fresh legs and able to score some, some goals, uh, I think that'd be fantastic. And he's not just a pure striker, you know, like Kyle was. I mean, he can actually, he can create a little bit. He can, um, uh, you know, he's good on set pieces. So, I mean, it's, um, I, I, I think it'll, it'll be good. Um, my overall opinion on everything, as I was going back and kind of getting ready for the podcast, it was, it was <clears throat> excuse me, I was, I was looking in every, I'd look at a young guy and I'd look at a veteran. I'd look at a young guy and look at a veteran and, and, and you can tell that the front office was doing a really good job of, of putting together a team that can compete with good youth that has great potential. But at the same time, you know, bringing in the veterans that can help those guys along. I mean, we talked about Sasha, obviously we've talked about Miriam, you know, we already have, you know, uh, Specs and, and Bendik, but then you got, you know, some of our other guys, you know, younger guys like Yoshi and Yadin and Mueller and, and Pino. And, um, so like I say, I, I think overall, all the moves, uh, spoke to me as a good mix of, um, the future and the present 
uh, while maybe focusing a little bit more on the present to to try and get into the playoffs. But um, I'm I'm ecstatic with there's there's nothing that has happened in this offseason that I'm like, oh, darn, uh, everything. I think they've done a heck of a job. It's been amazing. Yeah, I want to clarify one thing. Although Merrim is an Iraqi international, he's not an international slot player. He was born in Michigan. Right, American, no. So, uh, good st- right, no, I, that, that's not what I meant. <laughs> so, was, yeah. He, he, well, no, we, I think he, we still traded an international <clears throat> slot for him. He's got it, but he definitely has international uh, experience as well as uh, as a lot of these other guys that have been brought in, like Sané, who's played for Senegal. And, uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's great because these guys have played at high, high levels. And uh, I'm very excited about uh, seeing all of them. In fact, it, it's amazing how excited we are by this because everybody's sort of forgotten about Yoshi and Scott Sutter, you know, <laughs> some of the guys that we got down the down the stretch, uh, even even Dom and Dom, of course, has been hurt. Um, but uh, in this preseason, but uh, yeah, it's it's almost been like every present you open, you know, at Christmas is, is a new one that is <laughs> like makes you almost forget about the last one you opened. It's uh, it's pretty crazy. And there's been so many presents. Yeah, it's been amazing. It's uh, it's been a tremendous off season. A lot of uh, credit to uh, both Jason Christ and Nikki Budalich for uh, putting together some really really strong moves. Um, you know, we heard a lot of names that were out there, and some of those things fell through. We and you know, there's no telling what kind of uh, other players that we didn't even hear of that were they were in the mix for, but didn't you know didn't just quite work out for one reason or another. Uh, we do know that the one um, the one defender we heard that they came in under his uh, his uh, release clause, uh, so they weren't able to secure him. But uh, Sané, it looks like a, I mean, if you're you're talking about a guy who was playing at a high level in the Bundesliga, um, so that should translate uh, pretty well to MLS uh, MLS play. So I'm pretty excited about that, and I want to see him play. Um, big guy who's who could be a target for. Yotun and question on set pieces. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, really looking forward to getting him on the field since he's brand new, uh, getting Rossell on the field. I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing. They haven't even got everybody on the field together yet. Dw- uh, Dwyer's been out. He played in uh, one preseason game. And, uh, you know, one, uh, as often happens, one muscle injury begets another one when you come back from it. Uh, but, uh, um, you know, he'll be back in a couple of weeks and, uh, you know, he doesn't have a long history of, of, of nasty injuries, so I'm not expecting this to be a big problem. Uh, the other guy we talked about last time quite a bit was Coleman, and we've kind of forgotten mm-hmm. about him because he, he got injured uh, and has been out for a while. So, um, and, and, you know, it's funny because a lot of people um, have tweeted and asked me uh, in comments and things about, you know, why, why all these injuries. But really, if you look at this preseason – there haven't been many. Two of them have been to Dom, one to Coleman. Lindley, uh, you know, he, he had a, a hamstring tweak that kept him out only a couple of days. Uh, so there's really not been a, a ton of injuries. Larea uh, now also picked up a knock uh, when Dom was hurt. So, uh, you know, injuries are part of the game, but we haven't seen this, the kind of injuries this year in preseason that we've seen in the past for sure. Um, so it's just that we're so gun shy because we've had so many injuries in the past. Um, I just can tell you as a Manchester United fan, you guys haven't seen anything in terms of it. <laughs> I 
mean, I don't even know. They had forwards playing defense at one point, but uh, yeah, <laughs> it's 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 not that bad. So you know, don't stop firing the 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 training staff. It's not the same training staff that from 2015 or 2016, beginning of the year. <laughs> um, you know, stop firing those guys. Stop burning down Orlando Health. It's nobody's fault. It's part of sports. Uh, it's not a big deal at this point. Now, you know, if they get a rash of five or six more injuries, then you can panic a little bit. But right now, it's actually been, if you look around the league, not too unusual. Uh, it's not an unusually high amount of injuries. So, uh, well, hopefully those these guys will come back pretty quick and, uh, and we'll be able to get on with things. But the great thing about this team is they have some depth. And, Suddenly uh, <laughs> we have some depth. Yeah, and so they might, that, that depth might get a test early. Uh, with, you know, some of Dwyer's backups maybe having to play in the preseason. We know that Kleshin can't play in the opener uh, or the second game due to uh, suspension. Uh, but, you know, you look down the roster and you've got to feel pretty good about the guys that are filling in. So uh, especially the way that, that Mueller has played, uh, you know, since coming on and, and Pino's even scored. So mm -hmm. uh, it's it's nice to see that. And, and uh, again, just, guy, just having a guy like Justin Miram on the team is going to, uh, make your midfield better and your scoring uh, attack better. So, um, yeah, there's an embarrassment of riches in the midfield. I mean, it's, <laughs> um, you know, okay. Sasha's out, you know, for the first two, oh, okay. There's, you know, you got Yoshi, you got Miriam. You, it's, there's so many, you got Johnson. It, 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 and like you said, we're forgetting about the guys that were already here. Is anybody even talking about Christian Nagita these days? Uh, not much, unfortunately Christian, for him. I mean, we don't really talk about Will Johnson a lot. I mean, there's these are veteran players that uh, you know are, are quality MLS players, and uh, it's you know they they're going to have trouble getting on the field. It's, it's just uh, amazing. So uh, I'm really I'm really excited about this roster. I'm really excited to see how it comes together and how the um, you know how Jason Christ how quickly he can get them them up and running. I mean, uh, uh, it's you know, again, like I mentioned Scott Sutter before. Last year, Scott Sutter was probably, you'd have to say he was one of the three best players on the team, I think, last year. Absolutely. And now he's, he's you know, way, you know, nobody's even talking about him. Same as, uh, <laughs> um, you know, you, you, you pick up a young kid like uh, Jose Villarreal. We're not even talking about him. He's a guy from, you know, that had a, has a lot of, uh, a lot of potential uh, to, uh, to be really good. And, and um, still has MLS experience, too. Yeah, got MLS experience. Uh, it's just one guy after another after another. Rossell hasn't played with the team yet. Uh, Dylan Powers, the former Rookie of the Year, is, a, is like almost an afterthought on this team. Um, you know, it's it, it really is a solid, solid um, roster. I don't know if there's some guys that I don't know if they're going to get some playing time. Tony Roach are going to get any playing time. Is PC going to get any playing time? It's hard to say. R.J. Allen is a is a really high quality backup. Um, just down the line, a, a very very good looking roster, and I think a lot of people around the league really like what Orlando City has done. Now that said, it, these guys haven't played together yet, so it's going to it's going to take a little bit of time before they gel and uh, really kind of get to know one another on the field, uh, especially with some of the guys that have been out this preseason. But um, I'm looking forward to it. I don't think that uh, Dom will will be a problem uh, getting on the same page with guys. He's a striker. He's a he's a guy who knows what to do in the box. And you've got guys like Miram and Kleschen and Yotun uh, and Coleman that 
excel at getting the ball to players like that. So I don't anticipate any problems there. Um, you know, Rossell is a, is a guy who's probably going to need to find some chemistry with not only with the back line and the uh, attacking midfield, uh, but I don't expect that to take long because he's played in MLS before. He knows what to expect from everything, the travel, the, the difficulty of the league, everything. And, um, you know, Coleman is a, is a kid, and I he's, he's maybe a guy that you would like to see get on the field sooner rather than later so he can start building up some chemistry. But uh, overall, a lot of depth, uh, a lot of talent. A lot of different guys have been scoring and uh, and contributing this uh, preseason. We've heard a lot of good things about a lot of players. So <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff for Orlando City Soccer Club and, and just a tremendous amount of turnover since uh, or, or additions, I should say, since the last time that you and I talked on uh, on the podcast. So um, uh, good job by Christ. Good job by Budalic. And uh can't wait to see them. So shame that we couldn't see any preseason games. You know, yeah, right. And it's it's funny everything I've you know everything on Twitter that I'm seeing you know from various people who um, are simply supporters is uh, how excited they are about you know all the acquisitions and um, like you know there, there's that uh, that um, tentative hopefulness that is evident in their tweets of. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to get excited, but I'm kind of excited, and uh, so hopefully, uh, hopefully, all of this will will come around the way that, that we are all hoping it will. And um, you know, I, I, as you were saying that you know it might take some time for them to come together. I was thinking to myself, you know what? <laughs> Excuse me, everybody. I got a little bit of a cough. Um, last season we had that brilliant start to the year, and Michael and I are espousing how great it is. And and I'm thinking this year, you know what? If we have an okay start to the year and then everybody gels and it gets better. I'm okay with that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, I think that the, the crowd will certainly help with the gelling early. I think having some early home games is going to, is going to be uh, beneficial, but um, it, it's, uh, you know, really no telling how this is going to all come to pass, how it's all going to go. Um, but I do think that, you know, the tools are now in the toolbox for Orlando city. I, I think that, uh, you know, Jason Christ said a video that the club put out the other day, something that really struck is stuck with me is that, the, you know, he and Nikki and the management of Orlando City thought with the roster they had going into 2017 that they really only needed to make a few minor adjustments and they would be right there competing. And what they didn't realize was just how good the East got in that same offseason. Right. And it kind of left them behind. And so they said, well, we're taking a big swing at it this year. We're not going to just do half measures. We're going to, uh, we're going to go, go all in. And they really did. They've put their money where their mouth is. They've spent, you know, spent, uh, mountains of gam and tam. Uh, they've used their international slots wisely. Uh, they've got some guys uh, coming off of international slots because they're getting green cards. So they're, they're moving, moving guys and managing the roster that way. And it's, it's just been good to see. Hopefully it will translate to the field. I do see a lot of optimism on uh, social media where there was nothing but pessimism at the end of the season. Uh, and, and even in the first week really of the, of, you know, of, of after the season ended after MLS cup, when a couple teams made a move or two and everybody started freaking out that Orlando city was doing nothing but sitting on their hands. And now you can't, you can't look at what Orlando City did this offseason and say that they were not 
the most active team in Major League Soccer. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, it was, um, and and not just us saying that, but there's been, you know, national media have said that, you know, Orlando had the probably the best offseason uh, as far as all the moves they made, the acquisitions, et cetera. And, you know, it's funny because, uh, you know, two months ago when we were talking about, you know, the people being upset that nothing was seemingly happened, uh, happening, we, we said, look, that's not how Orlando City works, and that's not how Jason Christ works. Guys, just be patient. It'll happen. But I don't think either you or I thought it would happen this much. Um, I mean, it's felt like I, I know for us as a staff, it's felt like a landslide, especially some days of just, you know, this new person, this new person, this new person. And, and it, it uh, like I said, it, it, the, the amount uh, and the, the quality of the moves, you know, eventually, you know, I, I accepted it, but it, it initially it, it kind of took me, uh, took me by surprise. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's uh, it's been amazing to, to see nobody. I haven't seen one move where, you know, the national pundits were going, I don't I, this doesn't make any sense. This move doesn't make any sense. It's a, it's it's been a lot of really high praise uh, pretty universally. So uh, hopefully everybody's really smart and this is all really going to work out. Um, <laughs> Now, uh, on the other side of things, on the NWSL side of things, uh, you know, a very quiet beginning to the offseason <laughs> for Tom Sermani. I mean, he, he, you know, he came into the offseason with the team that was, you know, aside from losing the playoff game, obviously, the hottest team down the stretch in the, in the, in the NWSL and probably didn't have a whole lot of moves to make. And while well, he sat back and, and just kind of relaxed and chilled out while teams were trading – Sam Kerr and Kristen Press and uh, Carly Lloyd and all these huge name players were going all over the place and the pride were just just chilling, just kicking back. And then it looked like he was just taking an Australian vacation. Yeah. And you didn't know if the you know, you knew the pride were going to have to make some moves at some point and you just didn't know exactly how that was going to shake out. You just figured, you know, add a, add a couple pieces and you're good to go. So they go out and they get Sidney LaRue to uh, join an attack that already features Alex Morgan, Marta, Rachel Hill, Choma Ubogagu, um, you know, just uh, another weapon for uh, for Tom Sermani. Um, you know, the one thing that you knew that he needed coming into the season was a defender. He said he wanted a physical defender. He wanted to go out and get a center back. Goes out and gets Shalina Zadorsky from the Washington Spirit. Trades uh, Aubrey Bledsoe, backup goalkeeper, and a pick for for uh, for her. And uh, goes out and drafts Nadia Gomes in, in the uh, in the you know in the college draft. And then uh, then some some wheeling and dealing. Uh, Steph Catley, uh, the the travel from Orlando to Australia getting a bit much for her. She, she asked to move to the West Coast, so she moves to the West Coast uh, via trade to Seattle, uh, and uh, you know he he goes ahead and replaces Steph by picking up Carson Pickett, who uh, went to school here in the state of Florida. Uh, also uh, picked up backup goalkeeper Haley Kopmeyer, who's been a starter in this league. So again, you, you know, no lack of quality, uh, you know, behind Ashlyn Harris. Uh, it's good to see that uh, you know even you know we thought Aubrey Bledsoe did really well last year and was maybe the best backup goalkeeper in the league and now maybe he still has the best goalkeeper backup goalkeeper <laughs> in the league with Kopmeyer and also she's a great Twitter follow so if you're on Twitter uh, follow Haley yes. Kopmeyer 
Uh, and then also picked up uh, uh, Christine Nairn. Christine Nairn is a, a really solid veteran NWSL midfielder. So, um, you know, uh, really good depth, I think, for uh, the Pride. Of course, he had already re-signed, uh, you know, uh, Danny Weatherholt. He now has re-signed uh, Chi. And uh, based on the preseason <laughs> roster, as, uh, as, as Dave uh, hacks up along right here on the yeah. air. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, you know, no kill switch for Dave. Uh, you know, he's, like we said, technical difficulties. Based on, um, you know, the preseason roster, they ex- must expect to have Alana Kennedy signing her contract, uh, you know, renewal uh, soon because uh, she is on that roster. So uh, it's good to see that. And, um, you know, it looks like, uh, you know, you're thinking, oh, good, good, good offseason, high quality offseason. Then Tom goes out and gets. Brazilian international defender Pollyanna, mm-hmm. who is also just a, a really uh, wonderfully gifted offensive player in, in uh, you know, in addition to being able to play fullback. And uh, she can play the midfield. Uh, she's a lot like Camilla in a lot of ways, in fact. Yep. Um, and, and pretty good size. So, uh, you know, another addition to the defense and another sign to me that maybe we'll be seeing um, you know, Krieger and Zdorsky as the center back pairing with uh, Pickett and uh, Poliana as your fullbacks. Uh, that could be uh, what your back line looks like this year for the Pride. Uh, but there's uh, certainly some depth when you talk about Tony Presley and you talk about Monica. Uh, certainly uh, plenty of depth there and um, and even some depth at fullback and uh, get to the point where you're not really sure how Kristen Edmonds gets on the field uh, right now. Um, and then he goes out and says, you know what? We have Marta, but let me go out and get the Australian international number 10, Emily Van Egmond, and, <laughs> and even more attacking firepower. So maybe the defense doesn't even need to be that good. <laughs> <laughs> it's really crazy how, how good an offseason uh, the Pride have had. I, you know, I, I had some people around the league asking me, you know, is Orlando going to, they haven't done anything. Are they going to, you know, have everybody else has improved. How are they going to improve? And I didn't really necessarily see that as a fact. I mean, I, I definitely think some teams got deeper with the, you know, with the Boston Breakers uh, expansion or, or um, dispersal draft, uh, helping some teams get deeper. But I thought mm-hmm. a lot of the big teams that were already good, um, you know, I, I think North Carolina gave up quite a bit to get better. You know, to get to get some players that they got, I think they gave up quite a bit. And I think, um, you know, losing press to gain Kerr, you know, you went from what one of the league's highest goal scorers to the league's highest goal scorer. So, yeah, you get a little bit better there. But, you know, yeah, so I didn't think anybody really took off uh, and, and, and got out of uh, Orlando's uh, sort of orbit and. And now with the the moves that Orlando has made, I really think that they have had just as good an offseason, or if not better than anyone else in, in NWSL. You know, I think it's funny that uh, a team that uh, adds Sidney LaRue and um, Pollyanna and Van Eggman has, didn't do much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, come on. I mean, you know, Van Eggman, uh, you know, she's 24, uh, you know, she's five foot ten midfielder. Uh, you know, and and Shermani said he wanted to go bigger, so you know he's the he's the kind that's that's the kind of player that can that can and do that. Um, we all know, you know, what Sydney can do, and uh, you know, and that's just three off the top of my head. I mean, that's not even you know, including you know, uh, 
the the other moves that they made, like Zadorsky. So it's they just like the the MLS squad, they addressed the needs. And I think that's the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway I take from this offseason for both uh, teams is is the front office did an exceptional job of going, okay, this is what we need, targeting the, targeting the players they want and getting them in. And I think that not only did they, they gave so much depth really that I think that it really gives Sermani a lot of options and uh, it'll enable him to rotate his squad a little more and maybe keep uh, Marta fresher, keeps, you know, Alex Morgan a little bit fresher. Um, sure. You've got, uh, you know, you lose a Jasmine Spencer in that trade to Seattle, but you, you effectively replace uh, Jasmine Spencer with Sidney LaRue. I think that's a pretty big win right there. Um, you go out and draft essentially another Jasmine Spencer, uh, you know, is right. the, the type of, of player that Nadia has been. Um, and of course, you, you, you always have casualties when people come in, and Nicolette Dries and Jamia Fields uh, have exited the team. Uh, they were both... Uh, waived and um, probably not huge surprises. Neither ha- was able to get on the field regularly last year. Uh, it really looked like for a while with all the moves or l- the pride we're making that I, I was kind of concerned uh, that we wouldn't see Chioma come back this year. Because Yeah, that was a, that was a late kind of, uh, um, Oh good. Cause you know, <laughs> we, we like G and so that, that was, that was one of the last little, you know, I, like you, I was sitting there going, okay, any day now. And then, uh, all of a sudden we get the, the note that he got signed, uh, she got signed. And so I was, that, that was a little bit of a relief. Absolutely. So, um, you know, the only thing that hasn't happened is uh, Alana Kennedy has not resigned yet. She is on the preseason roster, uh, but she is with Australia, uh, the Australian national team with the Algarve Cup after winning the W League uh, just a few days ago. So yeah. uh, she's uh, hasn't had time to breathe, really, let alone sign anything. And uh, it would be nice to get Alana signed, sealed and delivered, because I think really you look at at the pride's midfield when Camilla comes back, you look at, you know, you're looking at Camilla, you're looking at Kennedy, you're looking at Weatherholt, you're looking at Naren, um, Van Egmond, I mean, uh, Kristen Edmonds, uh, just unbelievable talent and depth in that midfield. Yeah. It's, uh, once again, we're mirroring, mirroring what the, uh, the MLS squad did here is, is, um, you know, fantastic midfield added a few play, uh, pieces on the defense and, you know, a, a piece here and there on the attack. And, um, it's like you say with if you have Marta uh, Camille when she comes back, uh, Van Eggman, good grief. Um, the embarrassment of riches that uh, that allows you, I mean, you know, so even if, uh, you know, somebody's a little tired and, and, and they're not in that match or they come in the second half. I mean, how would you like to be the team that uh, uh, Marta comes off and then Van Eggman comes on? Yeah, it, it's amazing, and uh, Van Eggman, she's not coming on off the bench unless but yeah, because I didn't even mention Marta as a midfielder because uh, you know she'll probably be starting up top to start the season because of of the Camilla injury, uh, but right. you know, and that's going to keep. Here's what you got going now: with Jasmine Spencer is no longer your super sub, so now your super sub is either going to be Sydney Larue, Chioma Obogagu, or Rachel Hill. Yeah. <laughs> Rachel Hill, who lit up the Australian League. That's a, a tremendous upgrade at your super sub uh, scoring, uh, you know, position. So, uh, really, really going to be exciting uh, season for the Pride. Uh, they should make the playoffs. They should contend for an NWSL Cup, 
and uh, it's going to be fun to watch the whole thing. Uh, you know, hopefully everybody will stay healthy and uh, we'll see more of that Marta and Morgan partnership. And you're going to certainly uh, not going to be able to put four players on Marta and just kick her in the shins all day when you've got <laughs> Emily Van Eggman on the field as well. So That's right. um, it, it's going to be fun. So uh, speaking of all of these additions to the pride, I uh, was able to uh, talk to uh, Shalina Zdorsky a few days ago, uh, put my foot in my mouth a little bit. I said, um, you know, I, I mentioned that she uh, she probably knows Tom Sermani pretty well from her time with the Canadian national team. And I didn't match up the dates. She came in right after Tom left there, so uh, so they kind of missed each other. So I kind of put my foot in it a little bit, but uh, you know didn't didn't check my facts as carefully. I was a little bit more sure than I should have been uh, without checking that fact. But uh, she was a delight to talk to. She was she was bed shopping because she was moving into Orlando, but now she's uh, with the Canadian national team uh, with the Algarve Cup team, and uh, she was fun to talk to. We're gonna get to that interview with Shalina right after this. All right, joining us on the Mainland Podcast is Orlando Pride defender Shalina Zadorsky. Shalina, thanks for being on the podcast. Michael, thank you very much for inviting me. So I wanted to start off by asking you, you know, your what, are, what were your overall thoughts uh, when you heard about the trade to Orlando? How did you find out about it? Uh, you know, what was running through your head at that time? Uh, well... Uh, I guess the first thing I can say is I was extremely excited. Um, I had obviously two seasons at Washington under my belt, and I personally felt like um, it was time for a change, just professionally, emotionally, and and all around. And um, I was very thankful that Jim Gabara uh, was able to um, be open to that that need for a change and um, that he was able to find something he wanted in return for, for his club. And um, yeah, so I was at home and I got the call and I was extremely pleased. So I want to just make sure I got this right. So did you actually request uh, to be moved? Uh, You are correct. Yeah. I I really just mentally and, and I really was in a space where I had hoped for, um, a bit of a change and, and a fresh start for my career, and um, and I couldn't be happier that it ended up being Orlando. It was a kind of a, a, a whirlwind kind of year for the Spirit, uh, going from uh, appearing in the in the Cup final to uh, to how things unfolded last year. I'm sure that was uh, a very very strange uh, time to be with the Spirit last year. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think it was. It was obviously a challenge. No athlete likes losing. They would lie if they told you they did. Um, but you know what? I think there's always going to be those tough years in your career, and I wouldn't change anything now. I think I learned a lot about myself as a player, as a teammate, as as someone who wants to be a leader because it was extremely challenging to be one and in that environment. And I think credit to the people who tried to keep us going and, and just, all my teammates and, and the staff who wanted to stay positive, but obviously it was, it was very different from playing in the final to um, finishing last place. Yeah. Now, how many of the current pride players have, have you had the opportunity to play with before in various places? I first, firstly out of 
Michigan, I went to play in the Australian W League, and I played for Perth Glory, mm-hmm. uh, where I played with Alana Kennedy, which was awesome. We actually um, we were center back partners then, and we had a great time in Perth. Um, and then I had the pleasure of playing alongside Allie Krieger and with Christine Nairn in the midfield with Washington. And, um, wow, I'm trying to think who else. I've obviously played against many of the players, which isn't always fun, <laughs> because they're, obviously a lot of them have some serious attacking power. Um, but, yeah, thinking now it's Alana, Allie, um, and Naren. Oh, and funny enough, actually, Haley Kottmeyer, we played at Michigan together. Oh, yes, uh, another new arrival here. Uh, who were some of the first uh, players on the team to reach out to you after the trade and, and sort of give you your welcome? Yeah, one of the first was actually um, Ashlyn and then also Allie and Alana. Um, and I think it was it was really sweet of Ashlyn to reach out because she's obviously a great leader on the team. And we actually, we don't know each other um, personally that well. So that was, that was kind of sweet of her to, to go out of her way to reach out. Um, and then it was nice chatting with Ali and Alana and then obviously staff members like Emma and Emma and I know each other from Washington and it's been great working with Tom this far. Yeah. You know, Tom, uh, I know you know him well from, you know, the work that he did with the Canadian women's national team. How, how does his coaching style fit you as a player? Well, uh, you know what, actually I was not with the national team when Tom was, Oh, okay. um, that I made, yeah. So I made the squad, right after the world cup and that's when tom had moved on from the canadian team so uh, this is my first experience being coached by tom um i obviously knew of him and and i think vice versa but um as him uh, as a head coach this is this will be my first go at it and i'm i'm extremely excited i think from watching orlando last year and um from kind of seeing an opportunity that um yeah, like this is a back line I want to be a part of. And um, these are players that I've played with, with Alana and Ali, and, and these are players who I think um, hopefully I can really compliment well and, and vice versa. Um, and I, I just like his style of play, that he, he wants to play. He wants to um, have a strong defensive unit, but then have that attacking power going forward and, and creating chances. And I think... With that, you need someone who can organize and who can be ready for counterattacks. Yeah, Tom has added some more offensive uh, firepower this offseason. Um, but one of the one of the issues that the Pride had last year was against some of the teams, some defensive issues, and, and I'm sure that your uh, your arrival in Orlando is is uh, partly uh, due to that because uh, this is a team that needed to shore up the, the defense a bit. Has Tom talked to you at all about your role and 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 how you'll fit in and uh, you know how he envisions you? Because you mentioned uh, you know wanting to be a leader, and I'm I'm sure that the the you know the the back line could use some more leadership back there. Um, I wouldn't ever put words in Tom's mouth. I don't think he's explicitly said, um, out loud where he sees me. Um, I think like any player, he expects me to come in and, and do my best for, um, preseason and for, um, all the opportunities that come about. Uh, so he hasn't explicitly said, um, his kind of vision for me, but Hopefully we can work together and I can build that trust and, and work my way into it because I think that's the right way to go about it. 
Okay. Um, now, congratulations. You may, you know, you, you were named to the Algarve Cup team. Um, how much camp time do you envision missing uh, on, on Algarve Cup duty with, uh, with Canada? Uh, yeah, it's a bit unfortunate, to be honest, um, just, just in terms of timing, um, because you want to do both, and you're very fortunate to have the opportunity to do both, but um, I think it's a, it's a difficult time to miss preseason with, with the girls and that kind of gelling time in Orlando. Mm-hmm. However, um, with that being said, I know there's a, there's a large portion that will be away um, with the She Boys Cup and all Garf Cup and, and whatnot, so I'm not the only one. Um, and I think, you know what, that could be a challenge or it could also be an opportunity for everyone to bring their experience together and, and um, mingle uh, maybe at different times. But um, it's obviously tough, but I'm excited to do both. Now, given some of the moves around the NWSL this offseason, I mean, some really big names changing teams this year. What do you think Orlando uh, of, of what Orlando's done? Have they done enough to not only keep up with teams like Portland and North Carolina, but also to close that gap toward becoming a championship contender? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to say I'm. Well, let's be real. I am biased already because um, <laughs> I'm excited to be here. And um, I think with the caliber of players that we have and the changes that um, Tom has made or, or I guess um, enhancements in his eyes and um, in the club's eyes, I think we're in a really good space. Um, I think we have some exciting internationals that he's invested in. Um, and we also have players who've been around the league and who know what it takes, who know, they, who, they know what it takes to, to win a championship with the likes of Ali Krieger, Christine Marin, Ashlyn, and, and all those players who have that um, experience. And then you mix it with the likes of Alex Morgan and Marta and just, just people who change games. Um, yeah, I think it's, we're in a really good space. Speaking of those players, how much does having so many great offensive weapons like the Pride has, um, how much uh, does that take the pressure off you as a defensive player? Yeah, you know what? It's huge. I think, um, I mean, as a defender, I'm sure at some point in every defender's career, they've played on a team where they've played 90-minute games of defending, which is not fun. Um, it's extremely exhausting. And um, I think once you get that cohesiveness uh, between all 11, it's, um, it, it makes for a much prettier game, but also a game um, that's just more balanced. And I promise you, us defenders want to pass the ball and play with the ball too. We don't want to just <laughs> defend. So um, I think it's really exciting to have players who um, – I mean, hopefully I'll be able to, to use passing there to get them in behind and, and really um, allow them to show their strength, too. You know, when you look at this team and, and you look at an Allie Krieger and Alana Kennedy and, you know, the, the team brought in Pollyanna and Carson Pickett this offseason and you got, you've got uh, Monica still with the team and yourself, how good – can this defense be in front of Ashlyn Harris this year? And how hard will it be to lock down a starting position on this defense? 
Yeah, I mean, look at all those names, and you got um, Tony Dion returning as well. I think mm-hmm. it's it's extremely competitive, and I think that's the only way you you kind of solidify and, and create a back line because um, you need that pressure. And I think you need that pressure to perform in and out of games, but also in training. And I mean, let's just say we won't be, we'll be going against very tough attackers in training. So, you know what, no better training than that. And I think with us pushing each other, um, yeah, it'll be extremely challenging to lock down a starting role. But um, I think, a team that uses every player in some sort of way and is able to access every player's strength, whether they're on the field or off the field, is really important. So hopefully we, we find that balance. Well, Shalina Zadorsky, it's been great having you on the podcast. Really appreciate your time. Welcome to Orlando. We uh, we hope to, to write a lot of great things about you at the mainland.com this year and, uh, and in the future. Good luck to you at the Algarve Cup, of course. And, um, you know, just uh, best of luck settling in here in Orlando. Thank you very much for having me, Michael. I'm excited to be here. All right. Well, we want to thank uh, Shalina Zadorsky for being our guest this week on uh, the mainland or this month, this on the off-season mainland podcast, uh, episode 113. It's uh, it was great to talk to her, and uh, really looking forward to seeing her in Orlando City, Orlando Pride Purple. Uh, alongside uh, the likes of Krieger and Monica and, um, you know, uh, Pickett and uh, Pollyanna. It's going to be great to uh, to see uh, what she brings to the team because I think uh, she's a, a leader type that can really, um, uh, really help the really help the team. And, and I was really kind of surprised, actually, to hear her say that she wanted a leadership challenge elsewhere outside of Washington, look, looked for the trade and uh, got it and uh, came to Orlando. And as Christine Nairn said uh, today uh, on social media for the club, uh, every player in the league wants to come to Orlando right now, Dave. Hey, who can blame them? I mean, beautiful stadium, Marta, what else do you want? I don't know. I, I think it's great. I think it's great. So um, anyway, uh, we didn't really get any Ask the Mainland podcast uh, questions this week other than questions about uh, why can't Orlando City's trainers uh, keep uh, anybody healthy and why shouldn't they all be fired? And we had a number of those same questions uh, from a lot of different people. So uh, I think we've already talked about that enough. I don't think it's a problem. I don't think it's an epidemic. I think this is actually a, a, ver- a fairly calm year for preseason injuries for Orlando City. I think what you're seeing is that it seems magnified because the names are bigger. Dwyer and Coleman, you know, those are, are more significant names than uh, Rocha and Ramos <laughs> that we've seen right. in the past, you know. So uh, anyway, um, uh, I don't really have a lot to add to that conversation. Did you have anything you wanted to say about it? Uh, other than agreeing with you, I think that people might be overreacting a little bit just because everybody is a little bit. I, th- I think it's they're they're a gun shy about the the whole hope thing, and so when uh, <laughs> any kind of injury creeps up, they're like, "Aha, that's that's the thing that's going to keep it from happening," and rather than just you know taking it as it is. Yeah, it's. You know, somebody said today, you know, why is this uh, why is this so bad? And I said, you know, they don't remember it being this bad. And I said, have you forgotten 2015 already? I think we were on our I think we're on our fourth forward by the second game. 
I mean, people don't remember Kyle Lahren only played because of so many injuries. Uh, yeah. Because Pedro Rivero got hurt, Pedro Rivero was in because Martin Patterson got hurt. I mean, it was just one after another uh, back in the beginning, and and so uh, you know it it is what it is. Uh, sports uh, are hard and they hurt, <laughs> and the guys that play hard uh, and and compete against, uh, especially against other teams, uh, are going to uh, to get a knock here and there. So um, you know, before you know it, Dom will be back and Coleman will be back, and uh, we won't be too worried about it. I, I mean, I. I don't know that Larea would have got on the field anyway in the, in the early going. So, yeah, you know, we'll see, we'll see how it all shakes out. But if you want to send us questions, please uh, hit us up on Twitter uh, using the hashtag ask TMLPC, uh, or you could uh, send us an email. Uh, we are at uh, the mainland at gmail.com. And we are actually Dave going to be getting uh, our own uh, email account. Uh, I don't know. I don't have a, a date for that, but we'll definitely get the word out when that happens. It'll be a, it'll be an actual uh, at the mainland dot com, uh, you know, email account uh, at some Ooh. point. So that's going to be fancy. So, oh, you fancy, huh? He's so, um, so fancy. Yeah. So uh, since we didn't get any questions uh, for Ask the Mainland Podcast, Dave, I will ask you without spoiling anything uh-huh. what what you thought of Black Panther because I haven't had time to go see it yet. Oh man, I can't spoil anything. Okay, um, uh, it was it was an excellent film. Um, the uh, you know very typically Marvel in that it, it had you know the the action was good. There was you know just enough comedy in it. Um, and man, it's hard to not spoil anything. Um, I think. And obviously, I'm not the only one that liked it. I think it's you know 218 over the uh, the the first weekend, uh, 18 million that is. Um, so a ton of people saw it. Um, it. I think you're you're gonna like what they do with the whole vibranium thing, uh, kind of you know teasing you guys along, and then um, you'll like uh, Martin Freeman's. Uh, I think he's going to be the new Coulson. And, um, short of that, the, all the acting, um, uh, was phenomenal. The, the women in the movie absolutely steal the show and are the strength of the movie. So, um, well worth it. Um, I, I like what it sets up going forward and that's all very, very vague. Cause I was told no spoilers. <laughs> that's right. No, we don't spoil here. Uh, your, your favorite Marvel movie ever? Uh, you know, I was thinking about that the other day. I think it's still Winter Soldier. Um, just cause it, it, it was a, um, it was a spy thriller at the same time that it was a superhero movie. And it also introduced the Winter Soldier himself. And, um, uh, it had shield and it had hydra so for me it's it's winter soldier but um uh you know there's there's cases to be made for guardians and some others yeah oh love guardians love the winter soldier uh love the first avengers and love the most recent thor so uh the bar, yes, the bar is pretty high for black panther for me but uh, uh i think universally people are loving this movie so i'm, I'm looking forward to it yeah now you're, you're gonna be good i'm i'm not worried about it all right so that's uh, that's our Ask the Mainland podcast. I was asking Dave about movies over here. Uh, so yeah, that's, which to be fair, Ask the Mainland podcast. You can ask anything. Yeah, ask you, us about movies, yeah. TV shows. It yeah. doesn't have to be about Orlando City. That's right. You can ask us about soccer or not soccer. 
That's we we have both flavors here. That's right. All right. So before we get out of here, Dave, a couple more things here in our uh, our stoppage time uh, segment. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, right here in Orlando, Florida. The U.S. Soccer Federation has uh, chosen a new president. And uh, as if I can quote the who, meet the new boss, same as the old boss. Uh, <laughs> Carlos Cordero, uh, a vote for not all that much change uh, in my book. What did, what did you think of, uh, you know, did you did, did the guy win who you, or the, did the candidate win who you thought would win? Uh, are you happy, upset, uh, ambivalent? Uh, what do you think? I think the person that I thought would win would win. Um, I would have liked it to have maybe gone differently. I can't necessarily say for sure who, you know, maybe Martino. I don't know. It's, yeah, you're, you're right. It's, it's a little bit of a, you know, same, you know, new ball, same as the old boss, but, um, you know, he has a chance to be his own man and to listen to the, the populism, uh, quote, soccer people that uh, were making noise during the, the whole process. Now, um, hopefully uh, USSF will not uh, go down the FIFA route and simply, uh, you know, be a, a organization that just says, to heck with you, we're going to do what we want. Um, he's, he's, like I say, he has the opportunity to, to bring some positive changes, you know, up and down, um, soccer in the United States, everywhere from the obviously the national teams all the way down to you know youth soccer. Um, what I think if he if he gets out there and he he puts together some some um, action plans for lack of a better term, you know, for addressing the concerns that a lot of uh, like I said the quote soccer people had. Um, rather than just, you know, kind of going business as usual, then, you know, it might be good. Um, it, it's one of those things where the, those of us who care about soccer in the United States, um, need to hold, uh, USSF accountable. Mm-hmm. Um, if we don't like what's going on, then speak up. Um, and, and more importantly, go volunteer locally. Um, you know, that's, that's the best way to change things is to, to get out and do it yourself, just like in any, election of any sort, uh, whether it's, you know, your, you know, federal, state, local elections, or if it's your U.S. soccer elections, um, get out and do something yourself. You know, if you, if you're just sitting back on Twitter and, and being a troll, well, then you're part of the problem. Yeah. You know, I thought going into this, that Cordero probably was the favorite. I thought, uh, because, you know, just based on any any organization, the people in power tend to lean heavily toward the status quo. Um, you know, even even if there's a slight change, um, you know, it's it's something that you know they're looking for not big sweeping changes. They're looking for things to more or less stay the same. That you know, so it's familiar, it's comfortable. Everybody that's in power can continue to slap each other on the back and be in power. But um, I did think there was an outside shot that Kyle Martino could win this thing. Um, I was a little concerned that Kathy Carter could win it because I didn't think that um, she had the experience uh, that I was looking for. And I also didn't think she would be uh, bring a whole lot of change. Um, Right. And I and, you know, and I'll be honest, I don't I just don't trust some as far as I can throw it. So, um, 
you know, I was a little concerned there uh, when I heard there was some a groundswell of, of support for Carter, but uh, uh, I think I think Cordero probably I would rather have than Carter. Um, I don't think Hope Solo was ever a serious challenger. Uh, I don't think Winograd was uh, was ever a serious challenger. I think Winalda was a, a guy who everybody knew who he was. Kind of had a, some popularity going for him, but I don't think he would have necessarily done a great job. I kind of was interested Agreed. to see what Kyle Martino would do, but in the end, I think that um, you know we'll see how much transparency we get. Uh, we'll see how much equality with the women's team we get. Um, mm-hmm. We'll see if there are changes, sweeping changes to fix the, you know, the development system that are need, you know, the things that are needed. Um, and we'll see what, we'll see how it all plays out. I mean, that, I, I don't think we'll be any worse off, um, but it remains to be seen if we'll be better off and if we are, how much better off we'll be. So, uh, uh, you know, um, the king is dead. Long live the king. Yeah, like I said, uh, he has the opportunity. Whether he takes that opportunity and becomes the USSF president that you know turns the thing around and gets everybody you know behind. If if I was him, that's how I would look at it. Is okay, yes, that's cool, blah blah blah. But if I'm the one that's able to turn around, you know, get us back to the World Cup, get everybody on board and, and all that, that, you know, then you go down as legendary where, versus, you know, a Galati that is, you know, fairly universally despised by the soccer community. So, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, if if, it, if the U.S. gets to the next World Cup, uh, you know, then he could just point to, uh, look, I, we did better than last time. You that's know? right. Uh, and, and also, I think he'll really be tied to the next coach of the U.S. men's national team. So we'll, whoever that ends up being uh, is going to probably um, have a lot to say about the perception of Cordero, mm-hmm. both now and at the end of the coach's tenure. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, before we get out of here, Dave, there are some uh, there, there were a couple of U.S. Uh, friendlies. The men didn't do great. Uh, the women did great. Um, I don't have a lot to say about them other than Alex Morgan scored again. Uh, mm-hmm. and not a single person scored uh, for the men <laughs> as, they, <laughs> as they had a nil-nil draw. A, a young team um, that uh, that was put out there and uh, a lot of new faces. Uh, Will Trapp was the captain of the team, and I think it was his first start. So, um, right. Yeah, that doesn't bother me because, yeah. I mean, it's – that's that's a okay you know no familiar faces just we're gonna see it's kind of the youth movement see who's out there you know who we got who they are i'm okay with that 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 doesn't you know we're not worried about the unfortunately we're not worried about the world cup so (laughs) we have the time to go ahead and do stuff like that it's not gonna bother me yeah it was not a it was not a bad thing to run the lineup out that ran out there uh, they just didn't look like they were very cohesive. I, I did think Will Trapp played pretty well, though, actually. Uh, I didn't think a lot of guys played well, though. And um, some guys played uh, downright bad. <laughs> but yeah. Um, but yeah, now we know. <laughs> yeah. But again, it's it's not uh, it's not the same uh, guys that we're going to be seeing. Uh, we're going to definitely see some new faces. There has to be some new blood coming in. Um but I really think that a lot of the really high-quality players that are coming up for the U.S. right now are in that 18 to 23 age range, and they're not really on the radar quite yet, other than other than uh, Pulisic. Um, you know, you're gonna, you guys guys like Weston McKinney, uh, and um, 
you know, uh, oh shoot, uh, the kid uh, who just signed, he turned 18 uh, and signed today in Germany. Uh, his name is really escaping me right now. Um, oh yeah, he signed for. Um... But he, uh, there's, there's a lot of guys coming up uh, through the system that are going to be, I think, playing a, a big part. Uh, you know, with the U.S. men's national team um, coming, uh, you know, coming up this through this next cycle. Um, the U.S. women, uh, they they won easily. That was nice to see. Morgan scored, but uh, Mallory Pugh was easily the best player on the field. Not a lot to say about it. Uh, the U.S. women's national team, by the way, it was announced today, will be back in the state of Florida on uh, what, April 5th? March 11th. Uh, no, April well. Yeah, the, they will be well, – that wasn't announced today. We know about the She Believes Cup. Oh, right. Sorry. Uh, April 5th, uh, the U.S. women are coming to Jacksonville, Florida to play uh, Mexico in the first of two friendlies against Mexico. That's at Everbank Field, Jacksonville, 7 o'clock on the 5th. Uh, we're, I'm hoping to be able to send somebody from the mainland up to Jacksonville to cover that. Um, it's on a Thursday night, so I can't do it, but maybe somebody can, and uh, we'll hopefully do that. But uh, And I will be – uh, covering the She Believes Cup at Orlando City uh, Stadium. That's coming up. And, of course, uh, that's uh, keeping Alex Morgan and Ashlyn Harris out. They were named to the preliminary roster for that. Uh, not unexpected. We did get the, um, you know, we got the Federation uh, players who are, 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 feder- you know, who are basically being paid for by the Federation to play for Orlando Pride but in, in the NWSL. Uh, for the U.S., it's only Harris and Morgan. Krieger and LaRue are off that list. Uh, not a surprise when you've seen the, the team selections over the last year. And yeah. uh, for Canada, Shalina Zadorsky is on that list. Uh, she is a uh, federation-allocated player uh, from Canada to Orlando Pride. So um, right now, Dave, the Algarve Cup is getting ready to gear up. Australia and uh, and Canada are in that, so that affects the Pride's preseason a little bit. And, of course, the She Believes Cup uh, also uh, with the U.S. Uh, team uh, is going to affect the Pride preseason a little bit as well, but at least Alex is coming back before June, <laughs> uh, as opposed to last year. So that's that's good. And obviously, um, you know, she's the kind of player who can get up to speed with her teammates pretty quickly, and she uh, she and Marta have a pretty good rapport already. So uh, not expecting a big uh, hangover when she comes back from she believes uh to start the season so it's a little bit uh tough this year because they they've crammed the the season forward a bit uh the nwsl season the the schedule was supposed to drop today it's going to be 24 games again this year uh but with the breakers being uh folded uh nine teams so you're playing every team three times and it'll be interesting really to see what the balance is for the pride do they have to go to Seattle twice? Do they have to go to Portland twice? Do they have to play the, the really top teams uh, on the road twice, like Chicago or North Carolina, or do they get some of those teams at home? Um, yeah. You know, it's it, it will be interesting to see how that shapes up because it's everybody's got to play everybody three times, but I think it, you definitely there could be advantages uh, with playing certain teams twice at home versus on the road. So uh, clearly you don't want to go to Providence Park twice. Well, not only that, but, uh, you know, when you play them. Yeah, that too. Uh, So I think there's some really the makings of a really good rivalry with North Carolina, considering the fact that, you know, they they played three times last year. They're going to play three times again this year. The Pride Mm -hmm. have had their number a little bit. The one, two of the three games last year, including 
a road game. And in the year before, when they were Western New York, those were very close games. They were both 1-0 games. So, um, you know, a nice little rivalry, I think, uh, and, and a regional one as well with North Carolina. Uh, and, of course, we know, since you and I last talked, we know that the team is going to start off at home on March 24th against Utah Royals FC, a brand-new team, which essentially is the old FC Kansas City Kind of, but, you know, there's going to be a lot of turnover, too. So right. uh, that will be Utah's first game as a franchise. So, uh, you know, that's they're going to be very pumped up for that. So the Pride uh, have their hands full, although they won't be in Portland for the, their opener this year. They're still going to have, uh, you know, a, a tough emotional game to play. And uh, they're going to be the home opener, the Pride, that is, for both Washington and Portland uh, the next two games, they're going to be uh, away week two to Washington. Then there's an international break. Uh, we already mentioned the U.S. against Mexico, and that will take place in that third week. And uh, that's over an international break. There'll be no games that weekend in NWSL. And then the week after that, they're going to Portland. So uh, a tough, tough little schedule to start the season for the Pride. And maybe not quite as tough as last year, um, but we do know they're going to get two of their first three on the road. And, uh, and, a, and a week off in between there. So um, uh, for the first month, we're only going to see the Pride one time in Orlando. And uh, I'm really looking forward to tomorrow or today as this drops to see what the rest of that schedule looks like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, you know, going going out uh, to those two uh, tough ones, you know, right away, uh, well, you know, you know, get to get to see how, uh, you know, at least who's there is gelling and, and, and get to see some of the new faces. So, uh, you know, you, you take it now or you take it later. Exactly. So uh, really uh, looking forward to both Orlando City and the Pride getting going both in uh, the month of uh, March this year. There's no OCB, so we're, uh, we're going to have a, a lot more focus on two teams no, uh, rather than trying to cover three teams. Uh, which is good because our staff's a little bit smaller than it was this time last year. Too. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's going to be cool. Looking forward to it. Um, you know, the Pride just started their training, preseason training this week. They've got three uh, three friendlies before the season starts, all against college teams. Two of those are open to the public. Um, you know, they're at UCF, they're at uh, South Florida, they're at Florida State. Uh, I think the first and third of those are open to the public. Uh, the f- first one is free uh the second one's closed third one is uh, you got to buy tickets from south florida i don't know what south florida is going to charge you. i think it's like nine bucks or seven bucks or something like that but you know they got to pay employees to be there and open a stadium and stuff so sure. it's not, not a big deal not a small price to pay if you want to go over and check out the pride and see how they look early uh you know in uh, 2018 uh so Looking forward to She Believes, Dave, especially, uh, you know, it's four of the top teams in the world playing, you know, France, England, Germany, and the U.S. So obviously excited mm-hmm. to see Alex Morgan play. Don't know if uh, Ashlyn will play based on Jill Ellis. Um, <laughs> probably not because Jill just likes to ride one goalkeeper until she falls over, <laughs> uh, as she's done in the past. And uh, we'll see. I don't know if Harris will get a run out. Maybe in that middle game, maybe not. We'll have to. We'll just have to wait and see what what Jill ends up doing. It's a it's a compressed schedule, so you would hope that she'd get a game. But goalkeeper is, you know, the, I guess the position that is most equipped to go three three games a week. Um, yeah. Most equipped so than a, a forward, or obviously, or a midfielder or whatever. So 
we will see. But Orlando is the site of the uh, the final day of that tournament, so that's going to be fun for us because we'll be out there to catch that. And, um, you know, hopefully everything will still be very much in the air uh, coming into that final day of the uh, the tournament because uh, it's, you know, they're all three of these are double headers. Uh, mm-hmm. They're, you know, the best, the best, uh, like you said, the best of the best. I mean, this is kind of like a, a friendly World Cup almost in some respects. And uh, yeah, numbers one, two, three and six. <laughs> yeah. So. You know, you're talking about four of the top six teams in the world, um, you know, getting after it and uh, building up some, some rivalries already and, you know, some a little bit of animosity, you know, I think it's safe to say between some of these teams. And, you know, they all want to be where, you know, the, I'm saying that the three visiting teams all want to be where the U.S. is and number one in the world. And they knock them knock off the americans and they they did that last year it was, yeah. not, it was not a good she believes cup last year um so on the uh first of march uh, the u.s will play germany at seven o'clock uh france will play england in the early game uh the second game is on the fourth the u.s will play france and uh, germany will play england and then on the seventh the u.s will play england in orlando at seven o'clock that will be preceded by france versus germany at four o'clock Looking forward to it, Dave. What's what excites you about this tournament? Well, I mean, we just mentioned it. Uh, you know, for the top six teams, I mean, you know, talk about uh, uh, women's soccer powerhouses. Obviously, the you know, U.S. being number one and and having been up in the you know the top echelons you know for for years. But uh, you know, adding in uh, Germany, England, and France, it's um, you're you're simply going to see some of the best women's soccer uh, in the world period um and you know you will get to see them essentially as double headers um and and more importantly for for us uh we get to see uh the the, the culmination of it uh, in orlando city stadium so uh, how can you not how can you not want uh to to go watch that um in if you know it's it's tough for me i'm i'm up in Tallahassee, but for all you listeners who are in orlando good gracious 311 make your way down to the stadium and and you know go watch the u.s women's national team and, and including you know at the very least alex on the field if, if not ashland so um it's I, it, listeners know i'm a big proponent of the women's game i love watching the pride i love watching u.s women's national team and um it's, uh, I, I think it, the women's game is, uh, unfortunately small enough that you can, you can do this. She believes cup, um, and get those top teams and play this little round Robin thing. It, it's, uh, it's good for the sport and it's good for the fans. Yeah. I think what excites me about this tournament is the, uh, with, with, with it this year is to see how, the U.S. bounces back from last year's disappointing She Believes Cup. I, I'm, I'm anxious to see if they go out with a little bit of a chip on their shoulders and want to prove something. Um, you know, they've tried a number of different, um, you know, players throughout 2017, a, a few different formations. Mm-hmm. I, I think the formation um, sort of experiment they had going last year didn't really pan out very well. And I think this year they they look like they have a little bit more clear idea of at least defensively how they'll line up. I don't know 
you know what they're going to do in terms of the midfield. You never really know what Jill's going to do in terms of, um, you know, she never really seemed to try a lot of new uh, players. She just sort of moves around the ones she has, kind of. Um, yeah. But I think you could see um, that Alex Morgan is is has been in form, and she has been uh, certainly somebody that's been got you know gaining minutes. Um, you know, Julie Ertz is always going to be in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mallory Pugh is emerging as a, a real, real talent. I've been watching her since the, you know, the U.S. Uh, you know, women's youth teams uh, and the youth World Cups that she performed in. Um, she's been an exciting player. And, uh, of course, uh, Becky Sauerbrunn is a staple. Alyssa Nair has become a staple in goal. Um, she really f- likes to fall back on security blankets. Dahl Kemper seems to be the the uh, partner for Sauerbrunn um, now that uh, Ertz has moved up into the midfield. Um, and, uh, you know, it's there's there's it doesn't seem to be a lot of players that kind of get a run out in in terms of, um, you know, seeing how they do and, and blend in and mix in with with some of the regulars. It seems to be. You know, you get a few minutes here for a Lynn Williams, but you don't maybe get like a consistent three, four games in a row to see how she does. Kristen Press uh, is is either a starter or a first off the bench kind of player right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Rose Lavelle was starting to emerge as a player that could get minutes, and then she, you know, she sustained a you know a, a series of injuries. Not really sure where Crystal Dunn fits right now in the current setup. It's 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 going to be fun to see how exactly um you know the team comes out and gets after some of these uh, really top teams um i'm, I'm yeah I'm excited. and like you say even who hits the field yeah it, it's i want to see what jill's going to do because the, you know the, the team that she's been running out there with the exception of mal and uh you know and, and rose obviously and, and she's she's been injured but um there's not a lot of youth on this team and this team's getting a little bit long in the tooth and the, the next cycle's coming and you, you know, mm-hmm. you know, I think, uh, you know, you look at somebody like Carly Lloyd. How how many more games is she going to be getting? Um, probably not a ton. Uh, but yeah, there's there's some really good young players, and I think there were some opportunities to to get some of those players on the field in within the last year that and Jill just didn't take those opportunities. Um, you know, we saw players get called up but not get on the field. Um, yeah. The good thing about the the um, friendly uh, in January was we did get to see some new blood. Uh, you know, we saw some some young players from Stanford uh, get on the field, and uh, Savannah McCaskill got uh, a run out, not very long, but uh, she got some playing time. So it'll be fun to see that next wave. Having covered the College Cup, I can tell you there's some amazing players coming up through. Uh, the college system and I'm, I'm really excited to see how some of these players shake out absolutely and uh like you say if if i i agree with you i think that jill you know tends to to stay with uh those that she she trusts uh but um it would be it would be nice especially uh you know given that you know okay i know they want to they want to win the she believes cup but if we can if we can see you know a rose or somebody just out there, even if it's uh, just coming off the bench. Um, I think that would be good. Yeah. Tierna Davidson is a player I was thinking of uh, from Stanford. And I thought she, she did okay. I think she did okay. 
Um, I'm, I'm wanting to see more, but obviously it, it's a tough ask to, to send send someone like that out against, uh, you know, France and, and Germany and England. But uh, uh, looking really forward to uh, to covering that, and we'll we'll certainly uh, continue to to cover the U.S. teams because uh, we got players uh, on them. And of course, we would have had Dom playing for the men in the friendly, but uh, he had the hamstring issue. Uh, followed by the quad issue. So, anyway, uh, Dave, I think it's time to put a bow on episode number 113. Definitely want to thank our special guest, Shalina Zadorsky, and thank you to Jackie Maynard from the Orlando Pride Communications staff for setting that up. And uh, we were uh, we were, we were four for four in the offseason of getting really great guests, so I'm pretty excited about that. Good job, man. <laughs> so uh, we will be back. Um, I'm trying to think ahead to uh, when that will be. I think what we'd like to do is have uh, a show, uh, maybe even starting next week to go weekly um, before the first game of the MLS season. Uh, I'm going to talk to Paul Tenorio. He said he would come on here early in the season. I'm going to see if we can get him and maybe do a little bit of a season preview before the first game. And then we're, you know, you and me, we'll be back in the uh, in the groove and trying to do this thing every week. Absolutely. And don't worry, everybody. I'll have a new headset. Yeah. And, and hopefully we'll, you'll lose the cough. I couldn't have done this show this long last week at this time. I was uh laid up with the flu and it was a pretty horrible horrible thing uh, <laughs> like it really really kept me down uh for several days and um uh glad to be starting to be in some semblance of normal um probably still only about 85 90 percent but uh made it through in fact if you listen to the uh the shalina zadorsky uh interview I probably sound a little bit better today than I did when I recorded that just a few <laughs> days ago. But thanks to her for, again for being here and being being such a great guest. So uh, episode number 113 will go in the books. Uh, we will be back again. Uh, I can't believe we're we're already starting to do this weekly, but I guess we'll be back next week uh, with an all, with an all new uh, uh, episode of the Mainland Podcast. So get your questions in uh, Twitter hashtag AskTMLPC. Ask us anything. doesn't have to be soccer-related. Uh, read our stuff on themainland.com. Please uh, you know, follow us on uh, Twitter, like us on Facebook, and uh, listen to us uh, on your devices. And again, if you... I have to admit, I was lazy, didn't look to see if we got any five-star reviews to read, so I'll look for next time. But uh, because we had so many trades and acquisitions to talk about, uh, I wanted to... Uh, to give that our full attention and also kind of lucky we didn't get a, didn't get a, ma- a big mailbag um, because we had yeah. so much to discuss, but uh, with, especially with both of us uh, a little under a hundred percent, but um, yeah. So um, by all means uh, leave us five-star review on iTunes and we'll, we'll read it on the air. So uh, thanks uh, on behalf of David Rowe. I am Michael Citro, the founder and managing editor of the mainland.com signing off episode number 113 of the mainland podcast. The way I always do by saying go city.